This podcast is brought to you by Braintree. If you think that your payment system exists solely for the purpose of transferring money from a customer's wallet to yours, think again. Braintree. Rethink payments. Learn more at braintreepayments.com backslash Forbes. This is Forbes Sports Money on Podcast One. And I'm your host, Mike Ozanian. Welcome to Sports Money, where we talk about the business of sports. Today, our guest is Maury Brown. He's a Forbes contributor and owner of the consulting firm Bizball LLC. Maury, thanks for joining us today. You know, you can't turn the sports pages or go online, it seems, and look at anything sports business related without reading or hearing about Major League Baseball advanced media. What is Major League Baseball advanced media? Well, Mike, first of all, thanks for having me. It is the digital uh, rights arm of Major League Baseball. You can consider it a media company, a standalone media company associated to Major League Baseball. So it's an important part of the streaming of Major League Baseball games to audiences. It is a large part of it, and it continues to grow. It's also involved in a lot of other types of businesses. You know, they have the great uh, at-bat app, which is, I think, the biggest selling uh, app in all of sports, if I'm not mistaken. They do streaming for a variety of shows. For a while, I know that they had Glenn Beck's show. They may still have that. They, they did the NCAA's March Madness. They've, they've worked with ESPN. When did Major League Baseball Advanced Media start? Well, it got started around 2002, and it's, it's a, an incredible uh, media story as well as a sports story, Mike, because the owners made a, a, a nominal investment in it, and they started to see returns on it really within the first year. And then, of course, started by streaming uh, live games. And this is an important part of Major League Baseball and why they've been so successful at it, uh, given that each team have, plays 162 games – it's grown into this large behemoth where millions upon millions of live video streams are done daily uh, for uh, Major League Baseball games. But you mentioned that they've picked up other partners along the way. They spun off a subsidiary that's not attached to Major League Baseball called BamTech. And this is a, an, an entirely different company that sees Walt Disney as purchasing one-third of it right now, and they'll eventually have a controlling interest over time. It's a billion-dollar investment that'll be over two installments of $500 million. The first one was received last year, and they will continue to pay it again this year. But you mentioned some of their clients. I mean, ESPN is one of them. If you do the ESPN or watch ESPN app, that's Major League Baseball. If you watch March Madness, that's Major League Baseball. If you watch WWE or PGA Live, while they're skinned to say PGA Live on it, that's really the back-end infrastructure of Major League Baseball. Another partner is Fox Sports Go. So they continue to grow and build out the, their portfolio and have really turned into not so much a sports-slash-media company, but a media company first that just happens to be owned by Major League Baseball. It's an incredible story in the sense that just this last year, they purchased the digital media rights from the NHL. And to speak about how big that is, Mike, it's the first time that a sports league has purchased the media rights of another sports league. So it's an incredible story in the sense that they continue to grow this out. They continue to find new avenues. And I think that it's going to really show that they're not only looking to continue to grow revenues, which are somewhere between 500 
and $550 million annually in gross revenues just on the baseball side, but they're going to grow this other facet of the company that gets spun off that will have Disney as a major partner. That money goes directly to the owners and is outside of baseball-related revenues. So it's a, it's a major cash cow for the league. You know, you're the expert on Major League Baseball Advanced Media. I know you've been following it for a long time. So I just want to, I want to take a step back, Maury, and, and go back to around 2000 when Major League Baseball was first starting to think about starting Major League Baseball Advanced Media. And you and I know it affectionately as BAM, right, the acronym that everybody calls it. Where did the money come from to start BAM initially? So the money came from the owners. I mean, they made an initial investment. I think it was somewhere around $2 million a piece, it's, which sounds, you know, incredible in the, where we are right now. They made the initial investment. And I, I really credit Bud Selig in this, which is really surprising. Bud Selig, the former commissioner of Major League Baseball, was known to not really be involved in, in technology at all. He, he didn't even have a computer on his desk, but he really took the advice of, of others at at BAM to say, hey, we think that this internet thing is going to take off, that it won't be just MOB.com at some point. It'll grow into something larger. Today, it seems like a natural thing that, that a league would want to do, given the fact that sports content, particularly by millennials, is how much of it is viewed digitally. You know, you're right. A tip of the hat to Bud Selig. No one really thinks of him. Uh, the former commissioner of Major League Baseball as being this internet-savvy guy, uh, but clearly he was. And correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't it initially the thought uh, perhaps wasn't so uh, grand was to just simply house the websites of the 30 Major League Baseball teams? Yeah, I mean, at its true impetus, what had happened was uh, all the teams had their each individual websites, and they made this move to basically bring it all under one umbrella. And this really kind of speaks to something that Major League Baseball or other sports leagues have struggled with, whether there's control by the clubs where they would want to control how they were presenting themselves or what business aspects they would be tied to and whether it should be something under a league. So they did. They brought it all under one umbrella, they basically started hosting MLB.com and all the 30 clubs underneath it, got a unified look and feel behind it. And then these other aspects started to roll in, whether it's just streaming of audio games or whether it was eventually getting to the point where we have um, video, digital content over the top of it, uh, scores and stats and everything that go along with the games that we watch. This has been a, a burgeoning and growing aspect of what started as MOB.com and has moved on into this larger media company. Commissioner Selig at that time basically handed the reins to a guy that you and I have talked to over the years and who still runs BAM today, Bob Bowman. Tell me about uh, Bowman and, and what is it about him that has allowed him to build BAM into such a successful company? Well, I think the big that he was given autonomy to really work with it. And then there was a lot of trust with him on how he could do what he's been doing. Um, you know, it's it's interesting to look at the owners of Major League Baseball, many of them that are very hands on when it comes to, say, roster construction and whatnot. But Bob really, I think, was a guy that had given advice and had told them and given them some sense of direction 
the owners bought into that and pretty much left him to do that. He would update them on how they were doing. And I think the big thing, Mike, was that when they saw that they were going to get returns very quickly on this whole quote unquote internet thing, um, they really saw that Bob was onto something. And I think that they've been wise to kind of step out of the way. Today, BAM operates MLB.com and websites for all 30 teams, as you talked about. It also operates the minor league websites, MILB.com, MLB Radio, MLB.TV, which is the subscription service that allows users to view live games via the Internet. And they, they build great apps. In your estimation, I know it's a private company. They, they don't reveal uh, financials. But in terms of revenue, how big do you think BAM is right now? Well, that's a great question. If I just think about MLB Advanced Media, right, we've spun off this subsidiary. I, I would say that the, the um, enterprise value of it would certainly be somewhere between $1 and $2 billion. But if we take BAM Tech and we roll that in, I think that you're going to see it grow substantially, Mike. In 2000, each team invests $2 million. So you get $60 million, if my math is correct, for 30 teams. They didn't think it would be profitable. They didn't think BAM would be profitable, perhaps for several years. My understanding is, and I could be wrong, that it was profitable like in the second year so that the $2 million that each of the 30 teams put in for that $60 million, I think they got almost a million dollars of that back. So you're talking about a $30 million plus uh, approximately initial investment in that. When I last was able to get a handle on the total revenues of BAM, including uh, BAM Tech, it was somewhere perhaps a little bit north of $850 million. And some people are telling me that it could be worth uh, $15 billion. I mean, that's, that's you know, phenomenal. That's got to be one of the great investments of all time. And, of course, that $15 billion, you divide that by 30 and that really, you got to factor that into the value of each of the teams. I mean, I, I don't know what you think, but if I'm going to buy a baseball team, that could be adding $200 million to the price tag. Are you seeing this at your end? Because I know you also follow team transactions in baseball. Well, it certainly is, Mike. I mean, it's one of those things to where prior to having these centralized monies come in, and by the way, that $15 billion, I had not heard that. That's an extraordinary figure to really think about the total value of how it could grow. Um, it is one of those things to where it's a major component in the investments of these clubs. It also speaks to why you're not seeing a whole lot of transactions going on. You're not seeing the sales of these clubs at the rate that we once did. So it is absolutely factoring in because, look, before you had something like this in play, you really lived and died by the performance of your team. You might infuse that with television revenues, your local television deal. But if you made poor investments in player transactions and your team didn't perform well, well, it hurt you at the gate. It hurt you in your sponsorships. It really it really impacted you that way. Well, if you're a business owner and you realize that you have this very stable thing in the background that is infusing this money on a regular basis. Well, you can make investments that you might not otherwise make. You can look for it and you might be able to be um, not so risk avert, averted, but really being able to take on additional risks that you wouldn't in the baseball side of things. One of the things that BAM did recently was sell a portion of their subsidiary, BAM Tech. 
and they did it one deal with ESPN, and they did another with the National Hockey League. And if my math is correct, just BAM Tech was valued at about $3 billion. And I, and I know you've been all over that deal and have written about it. Can you give me some more details of that? Well, so first of all, the the when they spun it off, they've taken on some partners. At, you know, you mentioned the NHL being one of them, but it was interesting. You know, they looked around and they were there. There was talk of an IPO. They never went there. They decided that they would look at maybe financial institutions making an investment, but they went with Disney being a primary partner here. And this is I I don't think can be underestimated. If you look at how subscribers have been to ESPN, well, they've fallen off quite a bit, and this is really a sign of a change in the the media landscape as we shift over to digital. I think that Disney saw that when they looked at Comcast and what they have done with some of their properties and looked to basically get in on the ground to provide streaming services around there where they have Comcast, of course, owns end to end. They have, you know, of course, television rights now. They also have digital that they own. I think Disney saw that they were starting to fall a little bit behind. And so BamTech coming along and providing this provided this perfect solution for them where they can provide something for ESPN and provide eventually an over-the-top service for ESPN. They have plans to, in a few years, they haven't specified how many, that they'll eventually purchase the majority stake. So baseball will have this situation where they're hitched to it. They won't be majority owners any longer. But the partners, which, once again, you mentioned the NHL being one of them, will be able to see those revenues potentially grow as the company grows out and I, it'll be interesting to see how the Disney component plays into this. I'm very interested to see how that turns out. Yeah, and I thought it was a very smart move by both BAM and the National Hockey League. The National Hockey League, as you know, Maury, they're the sort of the fourth team sport in the United States behind the NFL, baseball, and basketball in terms of revenue and in terms of what the team's worth. But they did this swap, basically, as I understand this deal, where the National Hockey League has got now a 10% ownership stake in BAM Tech, and in turn, BAM has got the streaming rights to the National Hockey League. Am I reading this right? Yeah, you're reading this right. And the thing that's interesting about it is not only that they would basically be able to provide um, their expertise that they've learned through baseball and providing hockey games stream, they can sell those rights, of course, with NHL approval to others. So their distribution points can, can potentially change. I mean, to give you an idea behind this, Mike, for those that have been watching or are on social media, Twitter has become this interesting player in that we've seen NFL games on there. But they struck a deal with BamTech to eventually have NHL games and Major League Baseball games streamed on there. And this was, of course, something that was done as part of this agreement that has the NHL tied in there. So you're going to see this ability to expand and provide content for the NHL on a broader platform. Remember, if you, for those that have followed MLB Advanced Media, one of the things we, we talked about was being able to watch on your iPhone or your computer. Well, they also provide support for 400. I mean, you think about that, 400 different platforms from gaming platforms and whatnot. And that expertise now funnels in over to the NHL, where that capacity now grows their market share. MLB Advanced Media is no longer the MLB side of thing. It's advanced media, really, and this growing media company first 
with kind of baseball kind of as the ownership behind it. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by Braintree. A lot of businesses, too many, think of payments as a mechanical function. It just needs to work. But your payment solution can be an engine for growth. It can help up your conversion rates. It can help tap you into market growth. It can help allay security concerns that are limiting your customers' spending. And payments can be a way to provide new experiences to your customers. You want to grow your business? Rethink your payments. Braintree. Rethink payments. Find out more at braintreepayments.com backslash Forbes. Here's an interesting fact for you. There are nearly one million new books published in the U.S. alone every year. So if you like to read, how do you choose what you're going to read? Well, that's where Fully Booked by Kirkus Reviews comes in. You see, Kirkus has been one of the top book review publications for over 80 years. They do a deep dive on thousands of titles every year, including interviewing best-selling authors and telling you what might be the hot new release before everyone else knows. And it's coming to Podcast One in just a few weeks. So keep your eyes and ears open for Fully Booked by Kirkus Reviews. An MBA from a globally recognized and celebrated business school is achievable on your terms. Find your fit among the Kellogg School of Management's innovative portfolio of MBA programs, including one-year, two-year, part-time, joint degree, and executive options. Wherever you are in your career and your life, there's a Kellogg program designed to help you succeed. Visit kellogg.northwestern.edu MBA. Hey, you wrote a really good piece about how Major League Baseball continues massive growth with the addition of Bantech Europe. And can you do me a favor? Can you take a deeper dive into how you're reading Bantech Europe and, and what it means? Yeah, I mean, they're spinning off basically to provide content with Discovery Communications as their partner there. So this is this interesting spin off again into Europe. The content, whether it, it provides something like, say, rugby or other aspects that we see of content that's more keen to be popular over there and they're going to grow it over there. And I, I dare say that it would be interesting, Mike, for, for us to look at this and see whether we have the potential for potential more growth around this and maybe another spinoff at some point. I don't know if you get into India or whether you have that uh, BAMTech Europe as part of that. But look, I mean, you look at how, say, cricket is in India or, or other parts of the country or the globe, pardon me, um, I think that it just shows that they're going to continue to grow this out. And I thought baseball was dead, Maury. That's all I've been reading about for years, how baseball was on the decline. And I go to, again, going back to the cord cutting, which was one of the things you touched on as to why ESPN, which is owned by Walt Disney, uh, becoming an equity owner in BAM tech really made sense for them. You had some numbers here in your article that I found really uh, revealing in terms of what's going on. They say more than 40% of cable and satellite customers plan to either cut back on services or remove them altogether with the so-called cord cutter effect. Uh, and this is a study that uh, you cite that Focus Vision and Xantha shows. And that uh, what's happening is that... Uh, the study found that consumers are just as likely to go with over-the-top, that's 76%, uh, 
as they are with traditional pay television at 75%. And here's the fascinating thing. Millennials, those under the age of 34, were 84% likely to forego pay TV in some capacity. That's incredible. I'm reading that as to be that the future is over the top. Yeah, and I would agree, Mike. I mean, it, it, once again, within that study, it showed that the people that are really still hitched to traditional pay television are going to be people over the age of 50. And if we look at where millennials are going, the only problem that they currently have is the form factor, right? I mean, we don't like to watch sports uh, on a small device. It just doesn't lend itself to that. But as we see technology continue to grow out, your HDTV or your 4K or eventually your 8K television will simply be wired. And when most televisions come with this now. So I, I always describe this as that television isn't going away. That your television that you see on your wall mounted in your living room or family room will simply become a large monitor. And instead of being fed through the cable or to through potentially through satellite, it will come through the internet. And when you provide that, then you are getting what they call that over a top experience. I watch it on my wall and I pick up my phone and I head out the door and it just follows me wherever I go. Whether we start to see television get cannibalized and whether there's some way to monetize this, I think that this is the vexing problem that we're going to continue to see. How do we move to getting content via the internet and how they monetize that and how we get that. Will we get into a subscription service through ABC? How do we do this to where those that are not connected to pay television, how do we get them to do that? And I think that we'll probably see that in, in some form of subscription service. But this idea that everything comes for free is a problem. I mean, it's not like television or sports content. Any of that content comes free. Um, there has to be ways to do that. And I think that we'll continue to watch that as it moves forward within the next five years. Where does baseball stand right now in terms of streaming rules? What what's blacked out in the local market and not and what's not? Because MLB.tv, which is BAM's very valuable streaming service, is subject to some rules. And as you point out, they're going to have to navigate getting more customers who want games streamed versus not wanting to annoy the big networks like Fox, like TBS, who are paying the big money to show the games on television. We saw some movement on this front. I mean, the blackout issue in baseball has been so um, – it's the number one customer service complaint for those that watch. Um, now, they struck a deal with Fox for the regional sports networks that they control, and they control 15 of the clubs, so that's important. They got the majority or close to half of the league um, involved to where if you wanted to watch games on Fox Sports Go, you could do that in your local markets. They couldn't bridge the deal with the second largest player, which was Comcast. And I know that Bob Bowman and I know that Rob Manfred, the commissioner of the league, wanted to see this happen very much so at the beginning of last season, it didn't happen. They're still trying to get that. So, so baseball has a much bigger inventory than the other leagues in terms of number of games. And that hits on something else that I think they've really started to just capitalize on with BAM, which is ticketing. BAM's got this great ticketing service. And, you know, they, they were sort of uh, going loggerheads with StubHub, a lot of these teams. You know, they, they really didn't think that StubHub was beneficial 
to Major League Baseball because big brokers were coming in, buying big blocks of tickets, and then via StubHub selling them on the second-hand market so that, let's say, somebody like you and I wants to go to a game, we don't have to go to the box office and pay face value anymore if it's a you know, Tuesday night game. You go to StubHub and pay $10. Well, what they've been able to do with BAM is have this ticketing link to StubHub. So now you have teams like the Red Sox, the Yankees. I think there may have been others that are signing agreements with StubHub and working with BAM. So what, which was, uh, what was once an adversarial relationship is now a profitable partnership. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic that you've got in this. And, and once again, it speaks to um, how can they basically tie other aspects together, Mike? So on the ticketing side, you mentioned it. So if you and I want to exchange tickets, well, I put it out on a service and there's a fee that gets picked up. And then if you if I sell it or if you pick it up, you pick up the fee. So they're basically picking it up on both ends. And in that sense, it's been kind of this interesting uh, dynamic, the service fees on both end of it that they're leveraging. Remember for the longest time, Mike, and you, you and I will absolutely remember this, scalping was a bad word, right? The ability to the secondary market, it wasn't called the secondary market. It was called scalping. Well, they, they decided they're like, look, we can get in on this thing and we can make quite a bit of money at it on the secondary market. It also lends this interesting dynamic that um, baseball has, you know, I don't know how many people I, I hear from all the time that go, you know, I look at these attendance numbers, Maury, and I look in the stands and it just doesn't add up. There's just not that many people there. Well, baseball, of course, is looking at it from the tickets sold. And this happened when they got into revenue sharing and the fact that they needed to basically report that. Well, if you have the ability to ensure that tickets are being sold and that they're not only being sold, that they could potentially be sold secondarily, they're making quite a bit of money. You do see that there are some clubs, those that are really um, the larger um, storied brands in larger markets, the Yankees and the Red Sox, you mentioned that they have, this has been a bit of a uh, a, a challenge for the league to try and stay unified. I think that they want to do their own deals where they can benefit from that solely and not have to share that those revenues. So that I think will be something that we continue to watch. I don't know if you can ever get fully away from it. But one thing to mention about the this idea of tying things together, this is a huge part of the experience at the ballpark as well, Mike. I mean, now you can go ahead and you can check in using – uh, iBeacon, which is a Apple technology, and I can say, hey, I want to upgrade my seat on the spot. And you have that ability to do that. So this is this other way of monetizing and getting additional perks and basically being able to grow it even further. Um, and that that's just another level of using technology to their benefit. You know, one thing I've always tried to find out, Maury, when I've uh, had those rare instances when I could uh, – uh, get a few minutes of Bob Bowman's time over at BAM is like, what exactly is it that makes their technology so special and unique? You know, I'm not a tech guy. You know, I, I don't know what the secret sauce is. From your standpoint, is it was it that they were first? Was it that their technology is better? How do you read their uniqueness? Well, I think that they're tied together, Mike. I mean, if you're the first one in, you're going to learn a lot. If you want to be good at what you're doing and provide 
service to your customers at a high level, you're just going to have to be able to get really good at where you're at. And I think that they've honed in on that. I mean, you know, as some background, when it first started and you used to start to watch game, it was a horrible experience. You know, you had what they call buffering problems. It just looked bad. You would have the service drop completely and they've reached those deals to make the, or that technology to make it happen. But I think the biggest thing, Mike, and this is something to really watch uh, as we start to see video content continue to grow to the internet, was that baseball became very good as a turnkey solution for vendors. Hey, you and I have this video content, um, and we've been doing it over television. We're not really good at this technical thing over the internet. Can you do it how we want it? We want it to look like us. We don't want it to look like baseball, but we want to be able to have your expertise in streaming and doing all this other stuff that we want to see within it. And they become very agile and very quick moving to provide those solutions to other partners. And that's a huge part of why they've been successful, Mike. You don't have the likes of HBO or you don't have the likes of Walt Disney or other sports properties coming forward and going, hey, we hear you not only streaming this stuff, but you can do it for others really well. Can you do this for us? And so that, I think, is one of the bigger things about it. It isn't just that hey, we stream this stuff. They're streaming it in a fashion and providing it in a package that suits their partners that are looking to them for their solutions. And we see that. Now, look, it hasn't always been smooth. We've seen some stuff, and this is a, I did a column about this, about the problems with, as we grow to seeing more content over the internet, some of the technical difficulties that come along with it. It's much like television, Mike, in the sense that Look, you or I, I don't know how many times we've sat there probably and said, oh, wow, it's raining. I've got uh, a dish or direct TV and my, my signal goes away. Or we've seen people complain about you know, their cable service. You're never going to get away from that. There's so many moving parts and additional moving parts on the technology side. But on the whole, um, baseball has been very happy with how they've provided that. They feel that they're providing a good service. And we're not hearing about it. There have been things that have whittled out or s streamed out. We certainly saw when there was Game of Thrones, we saw a, a complete outage of HBO Now, and that fell on uh, Major League Baseball advanced media to try and resolve. But for the most part, the customers have said that they're happy, albeit there are some that have kind of whispered, hey, you know, we don't really understand why some of our customers are seeing these problems. I think it's just part of the landscape as you have multiple vendors multiple data centers on the technical side of things. I, you know, I won't get into that. But those, those issues, I think, are going to continue to be there. They're going to just have to work through them. What businesses with BAM went to BAM Tech as part of the spinoff? And what BAM businesses stayed with the BAM parent, if you will? So that's a great question, Mike, because I don't think it's been clearly you know, reported the, the deal with MLB Advanced Media and HBO Now was, was of course, BAM. But it would make sense to move this office to BAM Tech. I think it's more of a growth aspect that you're going to see. So uh, the stuff that you mentioned on, on Europe, of course, will be there. The new ESPN over-the-top piece will be BAM Tech, as opposed to the deal that they probably reached for Watch ESPN Now. And I think that what you might see, Mike, and once again, I haven't heard this directly, it'll be interesting to see when these current deals come up for expiration and they move into new new uh, negotiations. I think it would make more sense for it to go on the BAM tech side, and there's some good reasons for that. They want to continue to diversify 
away from baseball. And I'm surprised, you know, we just saw a labor deal in baseball here. The players don't get any of this. I mean, you should expect to see the money kind of trickle down. It's a trickle down economics kind of model here. And the players, of course, are not going broke. But it is different in baseball that there is no salary cap that is tied to baseball-related revenues like we see in the NBA or the NFL. And so, but I do think that they are continuing to see that this aspect that is outside of baseball itself, it makes more sense to have it move toward the BAM tech side of things. Maury, thanks a lot for joining us today. Well, I really appreciate it, Mike, and thanks for having me. That's it for this episode of Forbes Sports Money. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with a comment or question, please email us at sportsmoney at podcastone.com. That's one.com. I'm Mick Garris. When it comes to horror, you might know me as a writer, producer, and director. But I also love making people open up. I'm getting together with the most fascinating people in fright filmmaking. I'm going to pick their brains and find out what they know. But if they've got any secrets they're determined to keep, I have ways of making them talk. Download new episodes of Postmortem with Mick Garris every other Wednesday at podcastone.com, the Podcast One app, or you can subscribe on iTunes. Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine and More. It's peak season for asparagus, which pairs perfectly with a light and crisp rosé. Mini bottles of champagne and sparkling wines are perfect for adult Easter baskets. And they're really cute, too. My perfect brunch? Belgian waffles with extra whipped cream and a holiday pour of your sweetest rosé. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, Total Wine and More has you covered with 8,000 wines, 3,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers at always low prices. Cheers! I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. London police have arrested Julian Assange on extradition charges to the United States, as well as for violating his bail. Assange is accused of publishing classified documents through WikiLeaks. In 2010, he told Sky News he was worried about what the U.S. might do to him. The United States recently has shown that its institutions seem to be failing. Uh, They are failing to follow the rule of law. And with dealing with a superpower... It does not appear to be following, following the rule of law. It is a serious business. He also said in 2010 the U.S. officials had threatened him and those associated with him. There has been many calls by senior political figures uh, in the United States, uh, including elected ones in the Senate, uh, for my execution, uh, the kidnapping of my staff. Edward Snowden, the former security contractor who leaked classified information about U.S. surveillance programs, says the arrest of Assange is a blow to media freedom. I'm Rita Foley.